EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash insideems. Well, welcome to Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sabalero, and there is a co-host. He's with me all the time, my good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, how you doing? I'm capital, man. It's a lovely, lovely day here in the neighborhood. It is a lovely day in the neighborhood. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think we've got a really great topic today. We haven't really touched on it before, but I think we want to talk about uh, pharmacology made easy. I mean, when we think about pharmacology... It's one of those things, you know, we often put a lot of uh, challenge into cardiology, and we don't really talk about some of the other challenges that Mm -hmm. we have, but, you know, there are folks that uh, have a lot of challenges when it comes to pharmacology, and I think we're going to be able to give them some ideas about how to make things a little bit easy, but, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always kind of thought is that we have to be able to understand pharmacology not only in the process of drug dosages and how to calculate them Mm -hmm. but really the pharmacokinetics and the pharmacodynamics of the medications exactly but i don't know that we spend a lot of time with that i think that we just know that we have to give epinephrine i think we know we have to give adenosine i think we know we have to give lidocaine but are we really thinking about how that medication is working in the body and then the responses that we're supposed to get but before we get into this i think there's so many different ways to go i'm just going to kick it to you and just kind of give me the overall thought of pharmacology and ems yeah you know well first of all i don't know that we can actually say pharmacology made easy uh i would prefer to think of it as as pharmacology made efficient um because uh, it, it is by no means easy and it shouldn't be easy on the other hand it would be easier if we focused on the things that actually mattered to us uh, and, and you touched on it, uh, pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. So many people spend an inordinate amount of time memorizing a drug sheet and dosages and indications and contraindications, yet they still do not actually know how the drug works. And when they're done, they've utilized their monkey memory and, and uh, they can pair that, that drug interactions list and that drug sheet. Uh, but when hit with a new drug, they're starting over at scratch. When If you study how the drug works, how it reaches its site of action, uh, how it is similar to other drugs in that classification, then all you really need to do is refer to your dosage chart uh, for, for selecting the appropriate dose of the drug. And most times, you have the opportunity and, and the time to do that. Uh, so I see paramedic students spending a whole lot of time and stress focusing on things that are not really important and not really applicable to direct patient care because they think that's something that's going to be on the test. You know, they, they're, they're all, they study and study and study and they memorize all these dosages and, and, and then they, they get questions on the, on the med mass test. Like, you know, if you, you were ordered to administer 150 milligrams per cc's per kilogram of O negative blood to a patient in hemorrhagic shock, 
given the standard viscosity of blood and Poisset's law, calculate how many human souls Pedro would have to pay for <laughs> 11 cupcakes. That sort of thing. And people just... What's the bus driver's name? <laughs> yeah, what was the bus driver's name? That's That sort of thing. And they just lose their mind over it. So I think if we're going to teach... Uh, newbies and, and paramedic students how to digest pharmacology uh, uh, more readily, um, we need to focus on the things that are actually important to them. Number one, don't focus so much on the doses. Doses are something you memorize and spit right back out uh, uh, when it's time to take the test, and you memorize a few doses uh, of medications you routinely give, but the rest of the time, you got time to look that kind of stuff up. And it's a foolish man that stands on the quicksand. What do you mean? What do you mean? Red- what do you mean? Look it up. What do you mean? Look it up. Get a reference guide. Cheat by all means, for God's sake. So you're talking about when, when you're with the pa- pharmacology. When you're in the when you're, you're with the right. patient. You're damn right. When you're with the patient, look it up. Everyone else is looking it up. You see a doctor working a resuscitation, and he will ref- he will refer to a a pocket guide or a drug reference if he's unsure of the uh, of the dose of a particular medication. Same for the nurses. You go to any med room in any hospital, and they will have a physician's drug reference uh, or physician's desk reference and a nursing drug handbook. Kelly Grayson. And they Kelly look Grayson. that stuff up. Kelly Grayson. You know, I think that there's a big difference here. I mean, when we talk about when we talk about a, a doctor, a doctor's got a formulary that's, you know, 10 times that of what a paramedic has in the back of the ambulance. That is true. I, I think that when we think about pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics of the medications that we carry in our formulary, one, I'm not opposed for you being able to spit out the dose of a medication. I think that that should be something that is memorized so you know that when you have to give a denizen, you're given a denizen in, you know, 6612. I think the challenge comes in when you have those when you have those medications in the back of the ambulance just understanding the pharmacokinetics and the pharmacodynamics of those medications. Yep. Now, with that said, there's a lot of medications that we carry that have the same action that all we need to do is mm-hmm. kind of of and you've heard it, I'm sure you've done it where we know that the amines and we know what they're doing. And and I think that that's where the knowledge needs to come in. It's great that you can spit out the dosages and I recommend everybody learning the dosages so they can spit out. And then the, the knowledge comes in Kelly, I think, and of course this is my opinion, the knowledge comes in, in understanding the action of the drug, understanding the indications to give the drug, understanding the contraindications and then what that looks like if there's a, a reaction to that. But then secondarily, then you, I, I think secondarily, then you have an understanding of what that drug is going to do to the body. Well, and, and I agree with everything you just said, except for the characterization that, that physicians have a far greater formulary than we do. Yes, they do have a far greater formulary uh, and, and much more extensive list of drugs that they can order and administer. On the other hand, they have a much more extensive set of uh crew of personnel to backstop them and to double check them. They have more extensive resources. They more have more extensive everything. When it's just you in the back of that ambulance and you're not sure of a drug dosage, I would much rather if you had to choose between what little set of knowledge you, you hang in your brain, it's why to give the drug and more importantly, why not to give the drug. And then if you have to sacrifice one little piece of memory, sacrifice the dose and look it up. I would, I, it's, it's more, it's about patient care, not about your ego. 
Um, I got a million little tips and tricks how to memorize those things, but I'm not shy about looking one up if I need to. And, and, and I've yet in 25 years in EMS had somebody look askance at me uh, when I pause to look one of those things up. Um, I, I just don't think it's an issue. Um, but knowing why not to give the drug to me is probably one of the biggest take home things. We all can memorize the indications. You know what you give a denison for, you know what you give, uh, amiodarone and epinephrine for, and all these sorts of things. But why do you not give a particular drug? Let's take, uh, let's take lidocaine, for example, one of our old standbys. It's not as popular as it once was, but it's still in a great many, uh, V-fib protocols. What do we give lidocaine for? Uh, we give lidocaine for the use of ventricular irritability. All right. So we, we, we do it to suppress ventricular irritability. Back in the day when, when EMS protocols were written on papyrus leaves and inscribed on stone tablets, we gave it for refractory PVCs and all that kind of stuff until we realized that the cure was worse than the disease. But it's still something we give for, say, V-fib and runs a V-tac right. and that sort of thing. That's what we give it for. But all too many people think that that's, that's the pharmacodynamics of it. They don't understand how it actually works. Right. And when you say that the, the way that when you teach them that the way that lidocaine actually works, the way that it suppresses ventricular ectopy is by prolonging the refractory period in the Purkinje system, reducing the slope of, of phase four depolarization and, and all that, and basically prolongs the refractory phase, and that tends to close reentry pathways in the Purkinje system. But it also uh, significantly uh, delays conduction in the terminal conduction pathways. So you've got your patient who's throwing uh, multifocal PVCs or runs the VTAC, and he's also got a first-degree block and a bundle branch block, and you go giving them lidocaine and wonder why they suddenly went into third-degree block. And that's the thing I'm talking about when I say that it is just as important to know why not to give a medication uh, as it is to know why to give it. Uh, and there, there are many, many instances when it comes to pharmaco, uh, pharmacology where discretion is the better is the better part of valor. You know, it's one of those things where you just, oh, I could give this, uh, but he'd probably be just as well off if I just monitored him carefully and took him to the hospital and let someone with better resources and, and a wider uh, variety of, of uh, more appropriate medications uh, give it. That's me. I'm, you know, when it comes to antiarrhythmics, for example, I'm a stand back, big picture, non-interventional, direct the work of others, really loves electrical therapy kind of paramedic. Uh I can't remember the last time I had to wait for somebody's kidneys to metabolize a jolt of electricity. On the other hand, there have been a number of times where I've given a medication and go, ooh, that really didn't do what I wanted it to do, and a whole lot of things that I didn't want it to do. Uh, wish I could suck that back out of their veins. Um, and it was indicated, but I didn't understand why it could necessarily be contraindicated and why holding off might be a better choice. Yeah, and I think that that really kind of talks about that understanding. I mean, when we talk yeah. about when we talk about the knowledge that we get in paramedic school, they're squeezing all this stuff into a specific mm -hmm. amount of time to get us out to take a test. And then when we yeah. get out, we think that we have the knowledge that we need necessary, exactly the way you described lidocaine and exactly what it did as far as its action within the Purkinje fibers 
is really an understanding of how that drug worked. And I think you gave a great example when we started to talk about, you know, if I give this, how is this going to react with the patient with this blood pressure? And even though that it's indicated in the protocol, you've got to have the wherewithal to say, if I do this, I may give this person a third degree heart block. Well, let me ask you the question then. Then you start to flip the coin to say, is it easier for me to manage, you know, the run of VTAC? Or is it easier for manage the third degree heart block? I got to tell you, I'd rather manage the run of VTAC than I would a third degree heart block. Exactly. And exactly. Because then, then you're changing can, the paradigm. Because now, in a third degree heart block, what medication are you given to try to help this go away? That's right. You know, and and you, what you do is you you put your defib pads on the patient to generate some good karma, and you utilize the poised finger technique of arrhythmia suppression. What you do is you hold your index finger of your dominant hand about an inch away from the print button on the monitor. And I guarantee you, anything really cool that shows up on the monitor will go away before you can print it. That's a fact. It's a law of EMS. Is that how that so, works? Yeah. Is that is that a Kelly Graysonism? How, how many times that happened to you, man? Just, oh, man, I didn't get to print that in time. That would have been really cool. So, right. you know, if you just hold your finger about an inch away from the print button, all the really nasty ectopy will just go away. That's one way it's of kind of the placebo it. effect for the cardiac yeah, monitor. That's right. And the and the and the converse of that is is the likelihood of a life threatening ventricular arrhythmia increases uh, as a uh, as a reverse function of your proximity to the monitor. The farther you are away from the defib button, uh, the more likely they are to go into ventricular fibrillation. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Kelly Grayson has just put the cherry. On EMS pharmacology, there you go. But Kelly, let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit because I think one of the things that's always given me a pet peeve about pharmacology is our drug calculations. Oh, yeah. And they give us these big algebraic equations about, you know, that this goes into this this time and divide this into this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I think that that's really crazy. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do, and there's a lot of great things that are out there that help people to you know, really kind of do these dosages in their heads, whether it's a dopamine infusion, whether Mm -hmm. it's a a kilo conversion, whether it's using the time constant process. And let's just talk about the time constant process, because that's one I think is really easy. So when we think about, and I used to say this for a long time, that uh, IV pumps make paramedics lazy, but IV pumps have Mm -hmm. become the standard of care. And we have to now start to think about that they're there to help us in the back of an ambulance. But Mm -hmm. before that happened is using a time constant method and and i'll kind of go over it very very briefly with everybody you know because when we think about giving normal saline over x amount of time over an hour uh, x amount of uh, milliliters over an hour really what we're doing is we're trying to figure out time and the best way to do that is is to look at the drip set we're going to use we're going to use a a 10 drop set a 15 drop set and 20 drop sets have been Mm -hmm. going by the wayside but some of those select threes are still uh you know dealing with the 20 drop set now what you figure out is what time 10 equals 60 so for a 10 drop set it's 6 what times 15 equals 60 for a 15 drop set it's 4 what times mm-hmm. e- what times 20 equals and that's 3 that's your time constant yeah. so now all mm-hmm. you do is you figure out how much you're given per hour 250 milliliters per hour and you've got a 10 drop set time constant is 6 6 goes into 250 how many times that's your drip rate period boom Yep. That's all yep. you need to do. 
but we make it so hard. Same thing with you oh, know yes. with, with kilo conversions. Kilo conversions, we sit there and divide the weight by two point two pounds. Take the weight. If you got somebody like me who is uh, two hundred and thirty pounds, so you cut mm-hmm. it in half is one fifteen. There's three numbers there. Take the first two away. Fifteen. It's a hundred. So yep. now I'm a hundred kilos. So. Uh, same thing about now if somebody weighs 180 pounds and you take half away it's 90 if there's only two numbers you take the first one away it's 81 kilos so there's your kilo conversion and but we make we make drug calculations so hard that i have to tell you the last few paramedic courses that i've taught i don't even teach the algebra anymore because it's ridiculous well yeah you do not need a solid foundation in algebra to uh to do drug calculations. That's not to say that you don't need a solid foundation in algebra, um, but you don't need it to do drug calculations. If you can manipulate a fraction like they teach you in fourth grade, you can do drug calculations effectively. It is not that difficult. And I say that not because I'm, I'm arrogant. I say that because I'm the most math phobic dude you will ever meet. Uh, who's, arrogant? Calc- Who, who's arrogant? Who's uh, arrogant? Yeah, I am. I am phobic, dude. Um, I, you know, the the whole reason my blog is called the day in a day in the life of an ambulance driver instead of a day in the life of an emergency physician is because calculus beat me two falls out of three. Uh, I just don't have a math brain. I've got an English brain. Uh, I was one of those weird people that liked the word problems in that's math. Right. Uh, who, who swallowed uh, a Webster's a, dictionary. That's right. Uh, it requires a degree of academic discipline to do math effectively. I can do it, um, and, and I can get the right But it really uh, just comes right down to that training, equations, too, But probably. it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, so if I can do it, anybody can do it. And what I teach what I teach my students is is that there's really only three formulas you ever need to memorize. And you talked about the you talked about using the time constant. Um, I use that as well. Uh, but basically you have a drug dosage formula. What's the dose ordered times the volume on hand divided by the concentration and that's how much you squirt into a vein. If you want to give any bolus drug uh, via an infusion, all you have to do is take the amount you would normally administer uh, and multiply it times the drip factor, and that's your drops per minute. And your IV fluid infusion formula is just the volume to administer times the drip factor divided by the times a minute, and that's your drops per minute. And all you got to do is plug in your numbers. Get it in like terms, plug in your numbers, solve for X. It's easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's not that difficult, but people make it more difficult because they look at all these numbers and it's it's the my old uh, analogy of, of eating an elephant. They look at the elephant and they get intimidated and go into brain lock when what they need to do is look at their plate and eat one fork full at a time and pretty soon the elephant's gone and, and the drug calculation is solved. Uh, it's It's super easy to do. Um, but, but people th- make it harder than it, than it should be. And, you know, if you can like, for example, the, the, uh, um, the, your, your, uh, calculation or your conversion of, of, uh, pounds to kilograms, uh, it's simple. You know, you don't have to divide by 2.2, uh, cause pounds and half you're in the ballpark. Chris weighs 220 pounds. Half of 220 is 110, 110 minus 10% is roughly 100 kilos, you know? 
And you just love saying that too, didn't you? But here's another thing that I think is important as well is, you know, when we think about there are some constants that we need to think about. And those constants, and, and, you know, let's take a dopamine infusion. I'm a big person who loves to use the clock method when it comes to dopamine. Here are things that are never going to change, Kelly. When you give 60 drops of a med- of dopamine, you're given 1,600 micrograms. When you're given 30 drops of, of dopamine, you're given 800 micrograms. Respectfully, 15 is 400 and 45 is 1,200. That will never change, and that's all you need to know. Now the thing that you need to figure out is how many drops are you supposed to give per minute? Well, I need to give five, and then you've got to give five micrograms per kilogram per minute. So if somebody weighs 100 kilos like I do, and you've got to give five, that's 500 micrograms. We already know that 400 is at 15 drops. We know that 800 is in 30 drops. I'm probably giving 16 or 17 drops a minute to somebody who weighs 100 kilos. That's all you yeah. need to know. And I'll, we, I'll we, go you even one better. I'll go you even one better. I can calculate in my head almost instantaneously a dopamine, a standard dopamine dose of five right, let me to give ten micrograms per kilogram per minute for any weight patient. Let me give Throw you. Throw out a weight. I'm going to do. Well, first I got to tell you how many. I'm going to say first we're going to give six micrograms per kilogram per minute to a patient who weighs 196 pounds. Okay. Uh, drop the last digit, 196, drop the last digit is 19, 19, uh, subtract two from the answer. Uh, that's 17, uh, uh, 17 drops per minute in standard mixture of dopamine, 800 micrograms or 800 milligrams and 250, uh, cc's is, um, 17 milliliters per hour. That's five micrograms per kilogram per minute. So bump it up a little bit and you're at 18, uh, 18 or so drops per minute or 18 or so milliliters per hour. You check a dopamine dosing chart and you will find me within a micro drop every single time. So what do you say the number and, is? And, and, what you do is typically most people used to start their dopamine and it's not, you know, there are better pressers out there now besides dopamine folks. Uh, but still, if you, if that's one you got, you know, um, what number, what number did you give? I'm going to check the math while you're talking. All right. What'd you say um, the number was you're giving how many right. drops? 18. You take, you take Yeah. No, take okay. You go, go ahead and finish your thought. Uh, if you take anybody's weight in pounds, okay, drop the last digit and subtract one from the answer, you're going to be within a, uh, the, what you have left is within a micro drop of five micrograms per kilogram per minute of dopamine. If you want 10 micrograms per kilogram per minute, double that number and you're there. Booyah. Done. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. If you want to get super, super precise, if the last number you dropped was greater than was five or greater, subtract two from the answer. If the number was less than five, subtract one from the answer, but you're still going to be within a micro drop. And it's, you know, and the, the, those three lovely words in dosage calculation apply here, titrate to hemodynamic effect. If the difference between 16.4 milliliters per hour and 17 milliliters per hour is going to kill the patient, you ain't going to do them any good anyway. They're not going to survive if it's that if it, if, if the the uh, the therapeutic index is that fine. You're just not going to do them any good. Um, but that works, man. Try. Yeah, that. I mean, I think you're close. I mean, with that that number would have been 534 uh, micrograms per minute. And again, we talk about 400 at 15. 
we talk about you know 20 is going to be 600 so you're probably around the uh, 16 or 17 which gives you that one or two mm-hmm. but again uh, here, here's the real here's the realism of this folks if if kelly grayson gives 18 and i'm giving 16 are we wrong we're really not because we're going to titrate it to effect anyway so mm-hmm. i think the way that you're doing it kelly i think the way that i'm doing it really yep. kind of make it easier but but i think here's the point that we're going to get to ladies and gentlemen is that you know this is the, our skill and our craft there are easy ways to do it it's just that we haven't been able to take the opportunities for those easy ways to become part of our practice and i think what Mm -hmm. kelly and i really want to get across when it comes to this show is that pharmacology cardiology you know treatments management drug dosages it's all a practice. It's all a skill. It's all mm-hmm. a development. And we really have to be able to take that time to do it. Kelly, I'll kick it to you for the final thought. Folks, when you're when you're struggling to learn pharmacology and you're struggling to eat that elephant, learn why you give the drug. Learn why you don't give the drug. Uh, don't just learn that drug. Instead of memorizing amiodarone uh, and lidocaine and sodalol and procainamide and adenosine and and this learn the vaughn williams classifications of antiarrhythmics how they differ from one another in their mechanism of action um rather than learn uh metoprolol uh learn beta blockers and then look up the dose for metoprolol learn things big picture how a drug reaches its site of action and how it works on the body and is excreted from the body. And that will pay off huge dividends down the road. You may spend a little more time learning it now, but when you're actually applying it in the field and trying to use that information uh, later on in your class, it's going to pay huge dividends. It's going to make things so much easier to understand. Um, And above all, cheat, 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 cheat. Don't calculate things in your head. You got a smartphone with a calculator in your pocket, plug in the numbers, figure them out. Yeah, my smartphone also has a drug dosage and, and uh, drug interaction guide. I've got an, a critical care pocket guide, a, a whole slew of critical care suite uh, on my phone. Mine has Minesweep on it. Minesweep and yeah. cat pictures. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Do you have any tips and tricks for passing pharmacology and, and, and learning it, and especially med math uh, tips and tricks? Send them to us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and my Math Challenge co-host, Chris Sevalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>